0: Australia's podcast series. I'm your host, Anna Mackay, and my aim is to raise the level of awareness of surrogacy through these conversations. This podcast is a recording from a webinar that I host, and you can find more details about those and upcoming dates on our website at surrogacyaustralia.org. The webinars are free, go for an hour, and we'll take you through how surrogacy works in Australia. You can ask questions, typing them in anonymously if you prefer, and you hear from a co-host who has navigated surrogacy in Australia, either a surrogate, a gay dad, or a straight mum. This episode, recorded in November 2023, features Troy and Nathan. Nathan and Troy from Sydney became parents to their son Noah in May 2023. They are actually a SAS team and came to us already self-matched. Noah was carried by their surrogate Amy, who has been friends with Nathan since high school. They navigated a journey with some distance, Sydney to the Central Coast, and moved to stay closer to Amy and her family from a month before birth to eight months post-birth. Their embryos were made in Utah using an egg donor from a clinic in the US, so they have many experiences on which to draw insights. In this episode, we talked about the bubble post-birth that teams experience, to be generous when your surrogate asks for things because she's not going to ask for a car, have ongoing counseling during the pregnancy and post-birth for the IPs, as a couple and individually, as a whole team and for the surrogate too. Doing a parenting course prior to birth was very beneficial. For context, their surrogate Amy was one of the attendees on the night of the webinar, so she added in a few comments along the way and it was lovely to have her input and humor. I hope you enjoyed this episode. We've got two co-hosts with us tonight. First time doing that, Troy and Nathan. And so we're going to launch through their beautiful photos to get a bit of a snapshot of their journey. So gentlemen, take it away. Tell us who's in this photo and what was happening.
1: Yeah, so obviously this is very early on in our journey. Um, This was to celebrate, I guess, forming a team. So it was right at the very beginning, which is exciting. And obviously that's Amy on the far right, um, who's our incredible friend and was our surrogate. And of course, there's myself and Nathan. There's Amy's partner, Gareth, who was a huge amount support, particularly to, to Amy and us through the journey. And I think partners often get, get forgotten um, through these journeys. And obviously Amy's kids, there's Riley and, and Brooks, Riley being the youngest of the two.
0: Beautiful. And we notice as we go through these photos, Amy's kids' age, The kids get older through this journey, isn't it? Yeah, we'll go through the photos and perhaps we'll go back to the beginning then as to how the offer all came to be. Then obviously, well, there's a lot of stuff that goes on in between from when you first officially become a teen to getting to the point of an embryo transfer. Do you roughly remember the timeline of when that offer and the chats about surrogacy was first on the table and then how long it took to do the paperwork and things?
1: Our journey started a few years before we got to surrogacy. We originally explored adoption and co-parenting. And then um, I think we landed that surrogacy was the best fit for our family Um, and so we started to do lots of research and to explore what that could look like uh, both onshore and and offshore. I think for us, we joined a few social media and Facebook groups initially and we started to prepare our introduction as a family um, in an attempt to start to connect with others but also obviously with the hope to match with a surrogate at some point. Our preference always was, if possible, onshore for both egg donor as well as surrogate because that story about how our, our child was conceived was really important to us. And we wanted those people to be in our life moving forward. And if I go back, we prepared and put our post up. So to our immediate network and family, to just kind of talk through our our journey to that point in time, but also with the hope to start a conversation around surrogacy with people that didn't know what it looked like in this in the country. And so at that point, it was not long after that Amy, Gareth, um, and the kids came to the farm in Mudgie with us after a fun evening. And um, and then uh, they kindly offered to be our surrogate, which was incredible. At that point, then COVID, of course, interfered in many cases, as it often did with others, essentially between the point point of us sitting down and having that conversation, which was back in March 21, to the point that we did transfer, it was a longer process than expected because um, I think for most couples that were like me and Nathan, many start by creating embryos first. We did things in reverse. So because... uh, We were so uh, grateful for the offer from Amy and and Gareth. We suddenly then thought, well, we need embryos. Um, And so we started the journey to try and find a a donor here in Australia first of all. And after a search we then were introduced to a clinic in Utah, which is where we went through a match program and matched with our we matched with a number of of donors all unknown to begin with. And of course then um, we we settled and connected with the donor that kindly uh, assisted us. We created embryos overseas and they, they had to be transferred back to Australia. And obviously, we were very fortunate. I think all of us were a bit surprised that it worked first transfer. (laughs) I think the other thing that was amazing, it was an unmedicated cycle. So we didn't have to torture Amy multiple times with lots of medications injections you know it was obviously very exciting to know that it it worked um first go
0: can i just ask when you said you settled on the donor or the one that you connected with because i know part of this story through our messages that you, you was that on paper or in person and then what has that looked like more recently
1: yeah really really interesting process to go through so first of all we were introduced to the clinic they take a profile of, uh, of us. They gave us access to a database. Utah is really interesting. It has one of the largest donor uh, databases in America. So the clinic that we were introduced to had over 300 donors um, in their database, which is incredible. Oh. We were initially matched with around seven, and then through that process we reduced it down. There was essentially two that were the, were the most appropriate match that were available in the timeframe that we were looking for, um, and it just so happened that one of those suddenly become unavailable because they got covid um and so (laughs) so our donor who who i've got to say was always who we had leaned towards very gracefully did a donation for us now at the other end of this process uh we obviously then reached out to the fertility clinic in utah and we'd expressed early on that we would we would like some sort of connection on on an ongoing basis and a relationship so we pleased to say that we've now had a, a Zoom meeting and we've now exchanged <laughs> contacts with one another and we routinely exchange photos and check in. So that's really nice.
0: Wonderful. Yeah. May I just expand on that or guess at something that perhaps if the order had been different and you hadn't had a surrogacy offer on the table, you may have explored donation here in Australia more and to see what leads took you there. But because you already had an offer and you then knew about a clinic in Utah that had success. Is that sort of what stepped you into doing the donation and the surrogacy parallel then?
1: I think that was part of it. For us, we exhausted our local network and family. We had a number that graciously put their hands up and offered to be egg donors, but for one or another reason, were ruled out. Um, one due to age, for example, others based on health reasons, and started to go through the process of trying to match with uh, an egg donor through Facebook groups, as well as we reached out to lots of fertility clinics locally. Many of them, there is no central database uh, of donors in, in New South Wales where Certainly, at a clinic level, some have their own donor programs. But what we found quite quickly was putting your name on those, there was in some cases very long wait time.
0: We just don't have that in Australia yet, where clinic recruited donors are really stepping forward yet.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, And for us, you know, we we wanted to be really mindful of the timeline that the team had. And so, you know, and the impact that would have on, for example, Amy and her family, we just wanted to make sure that we could do everything possible to, you know, make that happen in the timeline that we had available.
0: That's great. That's a great summary and really helpful for people listening to hear the variety surrogate the, um, that you knew beforehand and, yeah, overseas egg donation and embryo creation. Just take us back then, Nathan, you, this surrogate, Amy, you knew beforehand, how did you know her
2: yeah Yeah. we uh we went to school together so we met in year 11 I had uh we'd sort of moved house uh like with my family so it's new school Amy and I became fast friends I used to almost crash tackle her almost every morning uh you know just to hug Uh, (laughs) and that you know that that continued after school and even like when when Troy and I first met we you know Amy, Gareth, kids, and myself—we had a, a routine where we'd see each other every kind of maybe three to four weeks, and for special occasions like birthdays and things like that. And and that just continued, and then Troy kind of you know became part of the the big friendship family group thing that that we had already kind of created. Amy's youngest—I'm their godfather, so you know we we were always going to be close, and and regardless of who our surrogate was going to be, Amy was always going to be Auntie Amy. But now they they just have this really amazing kind of special bond. You know that—that's that little bit extra, which which I love, and we love
0: extra special, Auntie Amy.
2: Extra special, Auntie Amy. That's right. That's right.
0: And then we've we jumped ahead here to birthday. Tell us about this day in your lives. He
2: came out screaming, <laughs> uh, and he, he hasn't, hasn't stopped. stopped. It <laughs> had It's kind of, kind of true. It's kind of true. Uh, um, yeah. So uh, you know, we we had a, a planned uh, C-section for when it happened. Was which was all exciting. We we were able to to do a bunch of planning before then. It was a very interesting feeling to be able to meet with the hospital beforehand, and 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 they we were lucky that they had had a, a surrogacy group go through before us. Um, maybe about. Three three, four months, something like that. So they just kind of got it. They were like, okay, so we're going to put you in the biggest theater. So all of you can be in the room and we're going to make, you know, Amy will be, she'll be in this room after after, and for the five days we were in there and you'll be in the room next to her. So they kind of just got it. Um, and I think that that would probably be a bit of advice for everyone, which is as you go through this journey and speaking with your surrogate, understand what, what everyone wants and needs from that not just the birthday, but the hospital stay if there is one. Um, and then have meetings with the hospital and, and find out what their policies are and things like that beforehand, because that stuff is really important if there are non negotiables, which, which, you know for us we've always been a kind of flexible team in in that respect we always said to the hospital okay well we'll do whatever we have to but this is what we want and we were just lucky that they were able to accommodate everything the day came and and you know we all go into the hospital and and it's all fun and games and jokes and then he comes out and everyone's in tears and uh you know all the mushiness happens and and stuff like that and uh and and we were in the hospital for like i said the, the five days we just had this little bubble and it was you know gareth did have to uh, come and go to, to take care of the kids. But every time he was there, it was a bubble of five. And when he wasn't, it was a bubble of four, which was really nice. Mm. Uh, you know, we were also lucky that after we left the hospital, um, you know, we had moved up to be close to Amy. So we all got to sort of, you know, be very close to each other and again, live in this little bubble of just the the, the two families that have kind of just become one. That's really what it is, right? So it's all all been nice and beautiful and, and we're all even closer than we were before, which is nice. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: I think this photo here of um, all the gentlemen in their scrubs, the humour that, that is in your team, I would imagine.
2: That was fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know why we decided to pose like that. but but We all matched. Yeah, yeah. We all matched. Normally
1: me and Gareth seem to coordinate our clothing, um, but on this occasion all three of us matched. yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so we did the thing it was great Amy took that
2: photo actually which was fun and then we just tried to capture all the moments but kind of before you know as we went in and then um, obviously after mm-hmm. uh, if, if any of you would ever see, um, you know, our uh, social media, it's just babies everywhere, baby, baby. one. <laughs> which oh, a big part
0: gone. of your life, hasn't it?
2: Absolutely, and, yeah.
0: Speaking yeah. of photos, you, I know you did some newborn photo shoots with uh, Amy and her family and here with your Fluffy.
1: Yes, yes, our first child. So this is our first child. Yes. She's currently asleep on the floor because it's past her bedtime. Yes. Um, <laughs> she's been very involved, um, which is really lovely. There's this incredible bond that has now appeared probably probably sooner than what we expected, Mm. to be honest, Mm. between her and and Noah, which is like so cool to watch. Mm.
0: And and is Noah becoming more aware of her, do you mean?
1: Oh, absolutely. Very much so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
2: The photographer that took these photos, and there are a few more of them um, on, on subsequent slides, Maggie Smith she's based on the central coast and Amy actually uh put us onto her because um because she uh, she uses her for her family photos as well she was able to capture these moments and these little cute little outfits and stuff like that that you know I look at all the time so it was just a it was just a fun day and again we were lucky enough to it wasn't only sort of Amy, her husband and kids and, and us and Noah, we brought our mothers as well to this shoot. Yeah. Um, so it was kind of like capturing the new grandmothers in the in the shoot as well which is which is very beautiful and then uh, obviously we got a bunch with uh amy gareth kids uh yeah exactly like that one which is which is you know this is the bubble that i was talking about that after we went home this is it and uh, even at that time um because that was i think it was it was 15 days after or something like Mm -hmm. that after we got home
0: i know exactly what you mean about that bubble
2: yeah oh my god
0: And it was for us. Yeah. It was a week. They had an Airbnb near us. It was almost so that week or that you know, week or two of that bubble was almost the highlight of the whole journey. Spending that time together really quite intimately, seeing each other all the time is something we never often do with other people in life. And normal, we probably do again unless, you know, you did it twice. So it's yeah. a really special thing. And may I just say from a surrogate's point of view, to include your surrogate, not just your surrogate, but her family in these post-birth photos, that's really special because that doesn't happen mm-hmm. for everybody. And I, I think there's some really special moments to look back on that it just shows that everybody came together. It's not just about Noah being here it's about the village that came together to create him
2: yeah yeah absolutely and and I think I, I describe a lot of our journey in the term of terms of luck you know we are lucky that you know the central coast isn't next to Sydney but it wasn't so far um like a lot of IPs have we were lucky that we were we had the ability to move closer so that we could we could all spend this time together and we're lucky that you know both Troy and I were able to take so much time off work so Troy's taken a year and I t- I took six months kind of all at the same time Time I actually just went back to work, you know, two and a half weeks ago, uh, which is exact, exactly when Noah started his his leap. So he's uh, sorry, his sleep regression. So hmm, of course it it's was been fun. Oh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So have um, you
0: have you rented a property up there for all of that time?
2: We have. So we moved out of where we were um, in Sydney, and we, we've we've moved up here, and um, and then we'll go back early next year.
0: Mm. And for people listening, I must say that is unusual. It's amazing mm. and wonderful. And if it, if people have the capacity to do that, it really is worth it for everybody involved, just that transition out of the project. So mm. if you have that ability to work from home or from distance, it's really something to consider so if you can't do a local journey uh, mm. near each other. So that's lovely.
2: Yeah, spend a chunk of time. The other thing that um, I think I would suggest for IPs is, and, and I think it, this is for a number of reasons, is, you know, I get that that not all journeys are the same, and and that um you know not not all everyone is able to be as close as we were. But if you can go to as many appointments and scans and just all of those things that you would normally do if it was just you and your partner doing, then one hundred percent do it. And again, I get not everyone can. Those moments were not just special for for us, you know, seeing Noah grow, but also spending time with Amy in the waiting room. Uh, we'd chat, we'd joke, we'd just we'd connect and get even closer and they're just special moments that I think about all all the time when they were you know they weren't nothing but they were just quick little appointments. I
0: agree absolutely (laughs) agree and you get all of those little bits of information from the midwives when you catch up with them Um, and as my team we made a deal at the beginning that at least one IP would be at every appointment even if it was a five-minute blood test Mm. they came so that they could experience the full inconvenience pregnancy. (laughs) often uh, but again it was just to catch up and chat uh, even if it was just about life but all of those little updates along the way so well done that's a big commitment to do mm-hmm.
2: yeah yeah but we're glad to have done it to be honest yeah we were doing a Katrina Hale session and we were like we're like we're at the table anyway everyone just jump in uh so we did that other than the session we we spent so much time together just as as a group afterwards so we just decided to capture some of these moments, which I don't think we do enough of because I always forget. Uh, I yes. just get caught up in like the chatting usually. Yes. <laughs> one of my favourite photos I think of Noah is that one on the on the right because you can see his little
1: teeth. Yes. Yes. He's, he's, not, he's, he's not so little anymore. Look, so he little. was he was never little to begin with. <laughs> yes. So he was for Amy, he was born at four point one three five kilos, um, but he's nine point two. Sorry, oh, Amy, at the moment. He's definitely uh, thriving and <laughs> uh, he's still got his chipmunk cheeks. He does. He does. He does.
0: And life you? goes on. That's, yeah, so we've got, there's some beautiful photos there that, that we've shared. So uh, thank you. And it's a bit of a snapshot really, isn't it, to try and yeah. summarise yeah. The whole journey there.
2: We, we could do a whole like three hour session just on the journey.
0: We could. Yeah. I'm just going to answer the first question that, that has come through saying uh, from Anonymous, is the age of intended parents an issue? Surrogates thinking an IP is too young. Interesting. Don't often have that question. So the age for surrogates, um, you need to be at least 25 to be pregnant. And I do know of a surrogate that investigated it at 23 and had to wait till she was 25 to have embryo transfers. In some ways, she was looking more for younger IPs, if that makes sense. So sometimes we gravitate more towards people who might be of a similar age and might want to do that for some, but there's an age range. People carry for each other for all different reasons. Were you going to add something in there, Troy? I was just
1: going to ask, is there an upper age limit? Because Um, um, I've had a few conversations with IPs over time and have met a Few that are slightly older. So I was, you know, mm. I, the older of, of us. And um and I've been surprised that I was always concerned that maybe I was I was a little too old at one point. How old
0: are you? How old are you now, Troy? I'm
1: 47.
0: I guess the average age, like those that join SAS, for example, is probably 32 to 50. 52. Yeah. Like and so it is more people, I guess if you think about this, surrogacy is a middle class upper thing to do financially. And so a lot of those people are established in their careers. So if they're the two guys, they've established themselves first in their careers, or if they're the hetero couples, they've been through a long journey, like their own IVF journey, probably for 10 years before they get to surrogacy. So yeah, it is quite common to be mid 30s up. Um, In terms of legal limits, there's no legal law. IVF clinics, I believe at least one IP Needs to be like this is their internal rules like fifty three or less, um, and it's often a similar thing for surrogates. I know of one surrogate, and I say this in my surrogate webinar. I think she was fifty four when she birthed. That was a, a lady in Tasmania who birthed her daughter's child, so she was the grandma, and her daughter was born without a uterus. So it's often those women that carry. So yeah, there, there's an interesting question. I think IPs are often older than the surrogates. My IPs were younger than me, but just the way it rolls.
1: And I've now met a number of IPs that are well in their fifties. It was my my own internal. Um, I think challenge, whereas the more I got to know people, I realised that there was actually many more out there that were the same age or much older.
0: And Nathan, how old are you? 35. 35. Oh, look at the gap. <laughs> 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 see, I was going to cut a lot like this bit where I do the housekeeping, I'm just going to cut it out of the podcast part. Because <laughs> people <laughs> 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 can't see us. <laughs> <laughs> I don't make a cut. <laughs> In the YouTube version, I don't cut anything, so that'll all be there <laughs> let's go back to more of your journey then Cody's asked the question we'll start with that one what were the challenges if any I'm sure there were along your journey that you had
2: you know we were doing our, our egg and embryo stuff with Utah during COVID they lost our first round of samples with the whole process with overseas um, the FDA requires you to send bloods over and then for us the sperm goes over within five days after they lost they lost the blood sample That's um, that what was fedex yeah, and, FedEx. Um, they lost the blood sample, which meant that we had to go back to the clinic to re-donate. So it would do the whole thing. We had to do bloods and then firm, and then have it for Um, That was one. I think, Um, you know, Katrina Howe will always say this as well. Every team goes through some sort of crisis and we were getting to the end and we were like, like, we, we all got along so well, but that goes goes towards our relationship um with you know all together including obviously Amy and family and then it was maybe three weeks before and I got COVID. Roy relegated me to the front room I was barely allowed to leave except to pee and he fed, stayed with fed him ma- under the door fed me under the wore door a mask wore a mask all day <laughs> Glenn 20 would everything so that was like a a time relevant challenge that we had in terms of us with Amy I don't think there really was anything and I think that you know regardless of the fact that we we knew each other for so long I think I think that kind of speaks to the fact that the relationship is so important before you start your transfers and you do your stuff. I imagine it would be, you know, harder to meet someone for the purposes of surrogacy and then jump in very quickly. I don't know, different people work different ways. Uh, so I think investing that time is extremely important and talking about everything, everything down to, Before we went into it, we were like, yeah, yeah, of course. We're going to, you know, we're going to get you clothes as you get bigger. And, and, you know, we're going to get you interim clothes after the baby comes because you're going to kind of be in between sizes. And, and, you know, because we had that, that good relationship, Amy. Was also comfortable to say, Oh, I need it. I've never heard of a surrogate who is gonna ask for something that she doesn't need. Genuinely, if your sur- surrogate asks for something, like these are altruistic people, right? They're not comfortable asking for things. Yeah. So if
0: anything, if, they'll ask for not enough. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Like if Amy could message you all, the amount of times I was like, go get more clothes, I'd just go over and cook like three weeks worth of meals just for one week, you know? <laughs> like she's doing this amazing thing for you. Generally speaking, surrogates have trouble asking for things and so when they do, just say yes. Yeah, yes. be generous, but, yes. You know, have the conversation about it. She's not going to ask for a car. She's not going to ask you to invest in her cryptocurrency, right? It's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's all practical stuff.
0: Yeah. Obviously, you had an established friendship and then mm-hmm. Amy and Gareth and family offered. Do you remember roughly how long you took as a team to discuss all of those things about what that journey might look like? Was it a few weeks or a few months?
1: The night that uh, Amy and Gareth was one that will always be remembered. And so we had to get up the next morning and make sure that she remembered the conversation. All, all I'm going to say is we, we,
2: were, we, were, we, were, we were in Mudgee and uh, Mudgee is known for its wine. That's what was. Uh,
1: <laughs> and then between that point until... Um, I think we all went off to gather more information. Mm. That's when we joined SAS. You know, so there was a, you know, we started to prepare for what that process looked like. And then we turned our attention to obviously trying to find an egg donor. But that, in terms of timeline,
2: you know, March 2021 was when Amy Gareth offered. We did the transfer in September 2022. And even though we had like we had we'd had conversations at the start and we done did the legals almost as quickly as possible and stuff like that. We were having conversations the entire time. Even we would repeat conversations. We would say, you know, this is what the hospital is going to look like. And we had many of these, they were completely unofficial meetings because we were going to visit anyway, or we'd be on the, like we'd meet virtually anyway. Like we'd go on, 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 you know, messenger and stuff. It was that entire time. I would say, take as much time as you can to do your planning and have your conversation. Yeah. Yeah. The longer, the better, but obviously, you know, you also want to get the process started as kind of as soon as possible after you have everything set up so that a big thing is is your surrogate and her family getting back to their normal lives even though you're then a part of that because it's an amazing thing obviously and everyone everyone benefits but it is disruptive mm. uh, especially when they have kids you know it's disruptive to their lives and their routines and stuff like that
0: finding that balance yeah yeah
2: yeah, yeah. so uh, yeah it was like a year and a half i guess is the short answer. Yep.
0: Yeah. Another question asks, what was your best memory from the journey, perhaps other than the birth? Something that your team did really well, perhaps that you're proud of? Mm-hmm. I think
1: night of offer. Mm-hmm. Memorable. Memorable. Um, transfer day, of course. Um, I think one of the things that always I think about quite fondly is um, Amy had said quite early on that she was Going to test those kind of days immediately uh, post transfer. The ones that they, um, that they and, say not to do, but that's and, okay. And, <laughs> and <laughs> wanted to know whether or not we wanted to to know the result of those. So I think we got to. Oh, um, how many days was it? We got to transfer day three. Four? four, I think we got to four. Yeah, and then okay. we had the conversation. For us, you know, she held up two sticks. Yeah, and yeah. Um, you know, it was like, he worked. I think we were quite shocked. The other thing that was quite interesting for us was because we created embryos overseas, we were able to know, first of all, the number of embryos that we had and the genders of those embryos, and they gave us embryo identification numbers. Now, when that information came back to Australia because you can't do sex selection in Australia, they just provided our fertility clinic with just the number of embryos and the embryo Identification number, and so suddenly we had the original piece of paper, and so we were like, "Do we want to know this early?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we all agreed, um, and we were obviously quite shocked to first of all know that it worked first time, and second that it was a boy because it was heavily skewed to not being a boy. The only boy in it the, the back that we had, yeah, out yeah. um, of quite a few embryos, and so obviously he wanted to come through. Mm-hmm.
2: He was the winner. Yeah the
1: winner. That's right.
0: <laughs> I'll ask a cheeky question. Uh, would you do it again? <laughs>
1: We're one and done. We're one and done. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He's, He's beautiful. You know, he's changed our lives completely.
0: My IPs were the same. (laughs) <laughs> yeah
2: yeah because we went into the process at the very start but like when we first started we we're like we can do two we'll do two totally we're gonna have two um and then we created the embryos like so each of us kind of did all the stuff yeah amy just said i'm also one and done yeah yeah absolutely i think that was one of the first things that that you said to us as well amy <laughs> uh, which you know was totally fine yeah we created the embryos so that we had the opportunity to uh, to have more and then uh and then he came and then first eight weeks happened and then uh We decided never again. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I'm happy to elaborate on that,
1: but I don't want to scare anyone away. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess for the benefit of everyone here, uh, we transferred all of our embryos back from Utah um, to our fertility clinic here in New South Wales and they're stored here in New South Wales. But again, we had to go through that FTA pro- process to be able to both send samples out of Australia yeah. and then receive them back again. So it was an interesting process. And in
2: then the actually period. another uh, another hurdle was for one night, they we didn't know where the, the transport the cure was. was. Yeah, yeah, because it, it, it had supposedly arrived in Sydney but didn't make it onto the truck that was supposed to take it up to Newcastle of fertility so we didn't know where it was it was sitting at the airport for the night event eventually we found <laughs> that out so yeah. and
0: hopefully still frozen
2: yes yes yeah yes. yes.
1: they can survive for like what 14 days or something in that yeah, thing, yeah so um there's lots, lots of companies that will ship embryos and, mm. and eggs um, some interesting facts. Um, originally, we went looking for eggs overseas, and we were going to freeze those and ship them back. Mm. Um, and the advice that we received was that embryos um, freeze and thaw and transfer mu- um, much better than eggs do, yeah. which is why we we elected to create embryos um, overseas fresh so and then um, freeze those and then ship those back to our fertility clinic in Australia. Mm,
0: That's really helpful to know. Cool. I'm going to ask you my SAS question. So as I've mentioned before to people that they're a SAS team, you initially joined SAS to find a surrogate then your friend Amy offered but you decided to stay on a, a SAS team for stage two. Why did you decide to do that?
1: I think for us it was about the process looked the beginning very complicated and there was a lot of different options and processes and steps and so first of all connecting with sas was useful because it gave us access to resources um, webinars and seminars in the in the early stages where we could get to see other ips and other teams Um, So it gave us kind of a a vision of what it could be. Then there was useful templating, like budgets, budget templating, so that we could, you know, we we had an idea, but having never been pregnant before, there's a lot of things that need to go into supporting, you know, a surrogate. So we wanted to make sure that we were thorough. The big benefit for us was the counselling piece. We did not only what was required, but I think we did far beyond that. And I think for us, it was another way for us as a team to get to know each other on a Diff, uh, on a different level mm. or a different layer, um, so I think the counselling was really, really mm. beneficial,
2: and the SAS mentor as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, we we connected with our with our mentor. Um, we met for coffee one day, and then um, you know, friended on socials, and and we still kind of chat every once in a while, which is nice. Yeah. Just
0: chatting to others who have done what you want to do and makes yeah. it feel
2: yeah, absolutely, and and it just makes it makes it a lot less daunting as well. Um, and that goes for both the mentor. Having other people and SAS, having the resources, and even just being able to tap into to, to your knowledge, Anna, really helped us, you know, understand what was next and what to do and stuff. Yes,
0: because like we've kept in touch, you know, through messages over the years, and just having those sharing little updates, but also quick little questions along the way. And also, I know I don't know if, how much you know, but how much I keep in touch with Amy. Yeah, so,
2: right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You so- mentioned a few times when you yeah, when you chat, which is yeah. nice. So,
0: yeah, we've developed a friendship too, but just knowing you've got somebody else to ask those questions to as a fellow surrogate, but also, hey, how would other teams go about such and such? So there's that subtle support for everybody behind the scenes
1: there. Absolutely. yeah. yeah. Everyone's journey is so different, right? Mm. So, you know, what we saw a lot of was IPs that were searching for a surrogate and many of them had created embryos and had those frozen. So they were at a stage where should they match with someone and they had a specific timeline, they could meet that timeline. Whereas our journey was different. It was reversed to them. So, and, you know, we were seeing more people in our immediate group going overseas than staying on shore um, for surrogates. So Mm. some had created embryos here and we're trying to ship them overseas. Others created embryos overseas and used overseas surrogates, some in the states, some in Colombia. Mm. Like there was such a diversity in, in what teams look like.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And as I see in the chat from Cody there that and then you've helped pay it forward and then you help other IPs who are at their beginning because others helped you when you were at the beginning. And it's great. just yeah. lovely um connection there are there other things that you'd like to summarize from your journey advice to give to people as we come towards the end here um i
2: think what you always say which is that it's a marathon and not a sprint is so true you know if you're doing this as a couple just be cognizant of the fact that there's always going to be one person that does more of the organizing and the sending the emails and the and stuff like that and then you know the other person is in the supporting role and that can actually take quite a toll on your mental health i remember i had a couple of sessions myself Katrina because I'm like oh my gosh there's just so much and and everything just spirals around in your head and then you you've got the you've got all of the stuff you're trying to plan but also all of the emotions and the the thoughts that are coming that oh my god there's a baby coming and then also we're trying to support our surrogate as as much as possible who in our case is amazing so i feel like we had it easy be as kind to yourself as possible 100 percent use the counseling do more than you need to do individual sessions couple group because it all helps you know i i had i had maybe two or three sessions with katrina and and i got so many tools just to manage everything that was kind of going on up here Mm. with all that stuff to do
0: and to Uh, clarify this is counselling we're talking that's not official, mandatory. You have to have this is okay. once pregnant as a team. Yeah. This is a t- you guys encouraging to have that ongoing counselling. And I'm pretty sure IPs and surrogates agree. You never walk away from a counselling session going, I oh, wish I hadn't had that. It's a weight off to just, you know, feel heard that, yes, what you're going through is hard. It's complex. or mm-hmm. some tips and tricks for how to help manage the, the upcoming steps. Absolutely.
1: I think sorrow dating is really important. Oh, yeah. I can't emphasize that enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you don't know someone, you, you know, you, that investment pays dividends at the other end in spades, right? So sorrow dating is really important. Do what you say you're going to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you mm-hmm. can't, then communicate. There's going to be tough conversations. Utilize counseling. Probably have more than what you need. Um, mm. I would say. Mm. Um, and just be kind because at various points, you know, different team members will go through different challenges. The other end, you know, we've seen a couple of journeys not go well. Mm. Um, and I would just say, devastating when that happens.
0: And it's tricky because how, how do any of us know if we're going to be that journey and how to avoid that? But I yeah. think some of those takeaways I'm taking here are sorry dating in the beginning, taking your time, a few months to talk through things. And I like what you said, Nathan, earlier. Repeat some of those conversations. Mm. If you've talked about them once. I mean you can't come back to them because people's minds might change. Yep. And ongoing counseling for all team members in all combinations. Mm-hmm. Um, even having it booked in. Yeah.
1: The pre-birth and the post-birth plans were really important. Oh, yeah. And we spoke through them many times. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that man. helped us.
2: Yeah, that helped us a lot. Just to just to keep our thoughts all together and on track. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's uh, it was like a, a set of notes that we all kept, which was you know this is what we spoke about this topic and that topic and that topic. I think we even got the templates from you. I'm sure we did. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. sure we did. So yeah, and and it just helps that even even though you're repeating those conversations, you can still refer back to that stuff at any time. Yeah.
0: And I found for my team, some of my thoughts on um, direct breastfeeding changed as I got closer to birth and I wanted to do more than we'd initially planned. But because we had that ability to come back and revisit those conversations, yep. and sometimes midwives were there, it was okay for me to bring that up and, and people change, you know, yeah. to get closer to birth. And having a baby with like four adults is complicated. Having a baby with two adults is complicated. So even if you've got an established friendship there, it, you've never done this together before. Yeah, and so it's complicated, but absolutely.
1: Yeah, one other word of advice: something that we did before Noah arrived, as we went off to a um, uh, a parenting course, and it was yeah. called Parenting for Life. Yeah, the, and, the Royal Hospital for Women yes. in Sydney. Told me about that, I remember. Yeah.
0: Oh,
1: the, my God, it's the incredible. The first part of that course was really focused on how we're going to work as a couple and as a team mm. with a new child. Mm. So it was very much about making sure that you support one another yeah. and and I think it was really, really valuable. Mm. The course was very good. Yeah absolutely.
0: Well, Hmm. I think it's a credit to you all. You had this beautiful friendship that came together and added Troy into the mix and then decided to grow life and brought little Noah into this world. Um, I'm proud of you, if I'm allowed to be proud of you all. I think you're a shining example of surrogacy done well here in Australia. So well done, everyone.
1: Thank you. And thanks, thanks, Amy. Thanks, Amy. Yes.
0: Surrogate extraordinaire.
2: Absolutely.
0: (laughs) 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 Wonderful. Thank you for sharing your time with me for this episode. If you're finding these episodes helpful, please share them with friends. If you'd like to see the images mentioned, head to our YouTube channel for all of the recordings. If you're looking for more individualised support, consider joining SAS, Surrogacy Australia's support service, so you can be connected with a mentor and also with me to help guide you on a journey. You might think of me as your Siri for surrogacy. Until next time, welcome to the village.